Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peer-to-Peer -Peer Real Estate Show. I'm your host, William Morales. On today's show, I have Xiao Wan. Xiao is the Managing Director of Hagman Capital and manages the day-to-day -day operations as well as the leading all bond structuring and negotiations for Hagman Capital portfolio. Xiao, thank you so much for being on Peer-to-Peer -Peer Real Estate Show. How are you, sir? Uh, doing very well, William. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I am uh, actually currently on vacation right now, but wanted well, to thank you for doing this. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, thank you for having me. It's, uh, you know, I love talking about tip bonds and, um, you know, any opportunity I get, I love to just, you know, educate more people about kind of what it is that we do and, you know, see how we can be of help. Yeah, this is all new to me. So I'm learning as I go. So Michelle, did, did you always wanted to be an entrepreneur when you were growing up? Was this something that you wanted to do as, as a young man? Or did you grow into being an entrepreneur as you got older? What, what, what drove you to this point uh, right now in your business life? Yeah, um, really good question. I, you know, I, I really haven't had put too much thought into that. Um, you know, I would say I, I come from a very traditional background. I was in capital markets at a um, um, large mid-regional firm um, out of uh, out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And, um, you know, during the time, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing, but I, I think I wanted a sort of a more hands-on approach with um uh, really providing capital to um, you know the, the the folks that really needed it, um, the folks that are that are building value. And so for us in Indianapolis, it's a lot of developers that um, you know need need capital for the projects, especially up front. Um, so I, I think you know really I walked into it as um, I would say accidentally um, because I, I really didn't didn't think about myself as, you know, entrepreneur, I, I really still wouldn't call myself that, um, you know, but uh, I, I did kind of take advantage of an opportunity, I think, when, when we when I identified one and just really thought, hey, you know, this is a really neat idea. I've got folks that really believe in me, folks that, you know, really want to see this idea succeed. Um, and really kind of together, we, we came together and sort of created something that was very special. Um, and so that's kind of how Hagen and Capital really in the very, very high level 10,000 foot overview, um, you know, came about. Um, there's, there's definitely a little bit more history to that, but I'm sure you're going to ask me questions about kind of, you know, wh wh where really what is the idea of Hagen and Capital? Yeah, no, definitely. We'll definitely get to that. So, um, so did you realize then early on that a nine to five job wasn't for you? And not to say that a nine to five job is bad for anyone, but did uh, did you know that you wanted to control your time at when you were younger or as you got into your business career? Instead of you know when you're nine to five, you're kind of structured and you're pretty much at at their uh, your boss's so to speak beck and call. Did you know that a nine to five wasn't for you? Yeah, you know, um, so my my parents are immigrants. I'm an immigrant myself, and you know, you you, you see, you know, sort of a lot of this entrepreneurial spirit within within the immigrant community. Um, and you know, it's really it's the concept of a nine to five has really never occurred to me because, you know, my 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 parents worked jobs, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't this attitude of you know I, I clock in at nine and leave at five. You know, I think it was this you know, you, you clock in whenever and you leave whenever the job is done. Um, and so there's sort of always this attitude of, um, you, you know, it, it, it's, it's really not nine to five in the sense that, you know, I, I think everybody thinks that, you know, sort of creating something new means, you know, your hours are always so flexible. I, I, 
uh, really, I mean, you know, occasionally it, it may be a seven to seven or, um, you know, a, a, a six to eight type of hours, right? Just because there's there's a lot to do and there's a lot of things that, you know, you you, you have to be more hands-on of. So it's, it's, it's freedom in the sense that, you know, no one cares if, you know, you got a, you know, you got a doctor's appointment at three in the afternoon, you need to, you know, check out and go do that. But it's more so than just, you know, the, the sort of ultimate flexibility, right? So I, I guess to me, I don't really think about, you know, um, you know, my career, my profession, what I do as, um, you know, as an, an hour thing, it's more just, um however long it takes to get the job done yeah i know that's the key i mean because uh, at the end of the day you are working for uh for developers real estate investors or whatever so yeah i could see why you would say that it's hey when the job it could be seven to seven or seven to nine as long as the job gets done so how did uh Heyman capital start or come about what was uh what was the impetus for you guys to 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 get into this uh uh space especially for tif bonds yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Hageman, Hageman Capital is, um, we're a component company of Hageman Group. And so the Hageman family is a uh, multi-generational uh, farming family from Remington, Indiana. So, you know, folks have driven up um, I-65 from Indianapolis to Chicago or back and forth, um, you know, that you'll, you'll drive through Remington. It's kind of as you say, it's really the last set of the windmills that you see on I-65. Oh, yeah, yeah. um, and so um, Steve Hageman, who you know, I, I consider the patriarch of the family, started a seed company um, back in the 80s with his cousin. Um, and the, the seed company uh, at its sale in 2013 had grown to about 20% um, uh, of the uh, national market share for um, seed corn and soybean seed production. Um, and so in 2013, Steve decided to exit out of the, out of the company, um, which created the liquidity in the Hageman Group. Um, mm -hmm. So back in 2013, Hageman Group was uh, primarily a real estate um, LP investor. Um, and so um, since 2013, we've um, participated in over and have invested in over $300 million of traditional real estate. Um, we still, you know, have a very large farming operation to this day, and we have a couple of other entrepreneurial ventures as well, right? So, Hagman Group really is a is a family office um, set up to invest in the Hagman family's, um, you know, proceeds from Edmonton uh, seed. So, Hagman Capital um, came about, you know, in in 2020 um, because. You know, we, Shane Hageman, who, who is Steve's son and runs Hageman Group, um, Tom Peck, um, who is our chief investment officer, and myself, um, you know, had this vision of um, wanting to buy tax increment financing bonds or TIF bonds. But, um, you know, unlike traditional TIF bonds that we're purchasing, we're buying TIF bonds that are specifically called developer-backed. So there's, there's kind of two kinds of TIF bonds. One is municipal-backed TIF bonds. That are credit rated, you know, uh, high investment grades most of the most of the time, um, versus developer backed, which is a single parcel TIF on a single project, and those are typically not rated. Um, so we found that, you know, in the second category, developers are getting more and more of those as incentives, um, but not necessarily um, able to monetize in the most efficient way. Um, you know, we we found that, you know, there were um, a huge opportunity for folks that understood the risk and knew how to manage the risk 
um, and really sort of, sort of appropriately uh, respected the fact that you know you are taking risks in these investments um, and um, ultimately providing liquidity to those uh, to those developers that need it you know up front. Um, so we, we came about this concept um, of, of you know sort of um, uh, you know, spinning off kind of a portion of, of, of Hageman and calling it Hageman Capital. Um, and, um, you know, ultimately what we do is we buy TIF bonds for uh, developers that, that needed to be monetized up front. Are, any, uh, are there any pros and cons with TIF bonds? I mean, you kind of touch base on, on some of it, I think. But um, for, let's say, someone that's looking for uh, to get into this space or new developers or anything like that, and tell me if I'm off, but what are the pros and cons of, of, of these type of bonds? Yeah, so, um, you, you know, traditionally, uh, the, the, the pros of, of TIF bonds for a developer, right? And I think we... Everything we describe or we talk about is really more um, from the developer's lens because those are ultimately the folks that we serve. Um, you know, for them, this is a this is a municipal incentive, right? Okay. Um, the developer backside of the TIF bonds, right? Um, the, the the pro is that you know it's still a municipal incentive, um, and if they're able to find a way to monetize it, it's a additional capital into their capital stack up front. Um, so what it does is really buys down the amount of equity needed. Um, so it comes in kind of as equity. Um, and so, you know, so therefore there may be sort of less cash equity needed from, um, you know, from uh, LPs or whatever it is that they have to come up with. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a significant pro. Um, the, the cause of it, you know, I, I would say for, uh, for a lot of developers is, you know, you, you are, you know, you, you, you are taking a municipal incentive. And so what, what you're really doing is, you know, you're adding another stakeholder into the transaction. That, that may not necessarily always be a con. It's just you, you need to understand that, you know, your project will, will also have sort of other folks that may dictate what you can and cannot do. So it's just understanding that, you know, if you're building a, um, you know, let's call it 300-unit 300, uh, 300 multifamily project and you're getting TIF proceeds, um, you have to understand, you know, you may not, you may have to go through architectural review boards and, you know, sort of certain types of exteriors are allowed, certain types of building materials are allowed. Um, you know, those are kind of things that um, you just have to be aware of, right? It's not necessarily a con, it's just, um, I, I would say it's just something that I think folks need to be more mindful of. But I would say, you know, on the broader spectrum, right, um, you know, I, I think TIF tradition, or at least, um, you know, have been, at least historically have had some pushback from other taxing districts. Um, you know, TIF really kind of goes through what, what is called a but-for test. Um, really, you, you know, if, if there wasn't this TIF proceeds, the project would have never happened, right? That is sort of the bare minimum test of how you are able to get, um, you know, a TIF on your project. Um, so what a lot of other sort of taxing districts, you know, I think in, in schools specifically, right, you know, they're concerned that, um, you know, a developer is essentially capturing all of its incremental taxes from, uh, you know, from a future built project. You know, the school saying, well, where do we get, you know, kind of those proceeds, right? Um, and it's, you, you know, usually it's not until after the project is done. Um, the, the other side of it is, um, you know, uh, while, you know, I, I think we understand that to an extent, um, that the issue is, right, that project would have never happened or that that 
that tax base would have never been created without this TIF in the first place, right? So, so those are kind of some, I would say, broad stroke cons associated with, uh, with TIF. Now, are there, uh, I mean, you, you talked about uh, the tax part of it, but uh, can the developers get a tax break? Would it, would it uh, a TIF bond or is, is there another way that they might be able to get an incentive to build, like you said, a 300 unit uh, 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 complex, whether it's in a B or C neighborhood? Does that come into play at all? Any type of tax breaks or tax incentive, if, for lack of a better uh, words? Yeah, so, I, you know, I would say TIF is not really, a, it's not always a mutually exclusive item. Okay. Um, so, you know, when, um, at least in Indiana, for example, um, you know, you, you can have projects in which there's abatements layered on top of tax credits, layered on top of, um, you know, uh, potentially, you know, historic, you know, historic credits layered on top of a TIF. Um, you know, these are all these are all things that I mean can effectively be used together in conjunction with, um, you, you know, the the TIF itself, right? The, the, the tax neighborhood financing itself. But um, I, I would say at the root of it, right? If you're if you're thinking about just a developer backed TIF, um, you know, what what a you know what a TIF really is is it captures the incremental value of a um, you know let's let's call it a, a previous project which was unimproved, a piece of dirt. Yeah. versus you know what the tax that tax tax assessed value would be after you build you know 300 units of multifamily right and so sort of the annual taxes the difference between those uh those two types of um properties the annual taxes are, are really kind of what that tax increment is right yeah. so this vehicle allows you to capture um you know this incremental tax for a set number of years um so for a developer you know if you choose not to monetize the tiff right let's say if it's developer backed bond and you choose to um you know just buy, buy your own bonds or hold your own bonds you can kind of see it as a long-term abatement right so that's, that's really kind of at the root of it um but um i would say i i wouldn't necessarily think of tiff as a as sort of a mutually exclusive um municipal incentive um, in a lot of in a lot of ways it can be used with other sort of existing tax credits and abatements and things like that well okay now um with tiff bonds is it basically just u.s builders or can foreign uh, investors or foreign builders come into the united states and and work off uh tiff bonds if if my question made any sense at all or is this more like a u.s base uh type of bond so I would say, you know, most TIF bonds, I mean, are issued by, um, you know, a, a U.S. municipality, um, okay. you know, and I think, I think this, this concept of sort of property taxes, I would, I would say it's, it's a very American thing, right? Um, <laughs> right. You know, other countries kind of have a different form of taxation, but uh, property taxes is, I, I would say, in, in a lot of ways, very American. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would say the folks that get tax incentives are, uh, and uh, TIFs are, may not necessarily be just, um, you know, U U.S. developers, right? I think it's really kind of a municipality by municipality. So, you know, this is not really a federal program. Um, each state will have their own legislation based on TIFs. Um, and so, you know, um, I would say the, the per the predominant amount of states um, in the United States have some, some form of TIF legislation. Now, they're all unique to, you know, their own states, but um, I would say the, the majority of states have 
some form of SIP legislation. Um, and so really, I mean, you know, as a, as a developer, right? I mean, what, what you are trying to do is make sure that the project that you're building um, in, the, in the place that you're building yeah. pencils on your pro forma. Um, and so if, if that's not, you know, if, if that's not the case, but TIF is able to sort of bridge that gap um, between, you know, what the project costs right now versus what the project should cost uh, in order for it to make economic sense. Um, you know, I, I don't, I am not aware of sort of any legislation that, you know, doesn't allow kind of a, you know, a, a foreign, foreign and um, developer to sort of take advantage of that. Um, because ultimately, I mean, they're still paying taxes on their property in the United States. Um, so I, I would say it's more dependent on where the project is as opposed to, you know, maybe who the developer is, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Um, so what's next for you and Hageman Capital? Uh, what are you guys looking to do in the next three to six months? Uh, what, what's in your crystal ball? <laughs> Yeah, so I would say, you know, we are, we're very interest rate sensitive, you know, we are, um, you know, as a, as a TIF bond buyer, um, you know, when we're providing capital to, um, you know, developers, uh, what the macro, macro economic interest rate environment really looks at, looks like, um, is, is, is I would say vital to us. Um, but, you know, within the next three to six months, I mean, we, um, we we want to we want to sort of have a interest rate um, you know hedging mechanism for developers sort of ironed out. Um, so what what this is and you know we we have a really strong framework for it already um, and we've actually done it on one of our transactions is to um, essentially lock in the interest rate of a TIF bond prior to closing and funding. Um, and so. What that does is it takes a lot of the interest rate risk, at least on the TIF bonds, um, you know, off of a off of a developer um, and and onto us, right? And so, um, you know, for us, we're we're trying to we're trying to um, finish up some of the finishing touches associated with that program. Um, but it's also, you know, we're we're really, I mean, we're in expansion mode. You know, we we've done deals in Indiana. We're based out of Indiana. We want to continue to do deals in Indiana, but um, Ultimately, I think it's looking to other states, right? Looking to other states that have um, to favorable legislation um, that, you know, makes it so that it's a good environment for us to, um, you know, uh, deploy capital and support support developers in those markets. Yeah, it's funny because you, you just beat me to it because I was going to ask you, are you just Indiana based or are you, you know, going to go nationwide in the next, you know, three to five years? And I'm talking about like all 50 states or in certain states like, some some REITs are you know they might be in you know specifically in the south or whatever. But um, are you looking to expand as as many states as possible, depending on the investors you can get or the capital you could acquire? Yeah. So um, you know, kind of the beauty about our our model is um, you, you know we we oftentimes I mean we prov we are we are in, uh, institution that's able to write a lot of checks. Um, and so there's sort of the certainty of execution, right? Um, but um, I think it's always nice to, you know, go into states in which you have uh, favorable TIF legislation. Um, and so because every state, every state's a little bit different. Um, they have, you know, I would say um, some states have, you know, legislation that's just very conducive to our investment thesis. Um, and, you know, some states may not. And so I think it's looking to states that, um, 
you know, fr frankly, make, make sense for us, right? So I don't want to sort of promise this whole, hey, you know, we're going to be national in the next five years. I think it's more, we're going to be very opportunistic in the states that we, you know, look into, right? Um, and sometimes, you know, you go into a state simply because there's an opportunity brought to you. Um, you know, you, you, you may have a developer that reaches out and say, hey, you know, we have a project in, you know, so-and-so state, um, would you be willing to look at it? And I think that's kind of where we start, you know, to really drill down onto some of the, the you know, the, the macroeconomic factors and some of the legislative factors on whether or not that would be a good viable state, right? Um, but, you know, these things take time. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly kind of very measured with our approach. Um, and so, um, you know, while, while I think it's my hope to sort of grow it as big as possible, you know, I think we we also you know sort of invest with the with the concept that you know risk is important right managing risk is important um and especially in an environment where you know nobody really knows what the economy is going to do in the next um you know 12 to 24 months um you know and nobody really knows if you know sort of the the, the fed's move to um fight inflation you know is, is it working or is it not um we we just want to be cautiously optimistic um but you know uh, but but really, I mean, we we serve developers, right? And so ultimately, if the environment for development is um, heavily impacted by you know what's going on in the macroeconomic environment, um, then you know obviously the things we we do may be affected as well. It it, it may not be perfectly correlated, but um, those are just things that we need to keep in mind. Um, so it can't it can't always be yeah you know we we want to be in fifty states in five years. It, <laughs> It may just be, you know, we, we certainly want to own our backyard, um, but we want to, you know, expand into, um, you know, uh, a handful of Midwest states that uh, ultimately make sense for us as well. No, sounds good. Well, listen, first of all, Sha, thank you so much for being on Pay to Pay Real Estate Show. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, there's a couple more things. What keeps you motivated? I mean, you know, what when you wake up in the morning, you know, you got these projects going or future projects. You know, I can understand the excitement, you know, you're helping develop a, whether it's a piece of land or neighborhood, but what else get, uh, gets you going in the morning? <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, you know, some days I think it's easier to, to answer this question than others, but um, <laughs> I, I would say, I mean, I think what, what chiefly keeps me motivated is, um, you know, that Hageman, we just have a great group of people. Um, everyone is motivated. Everyone is a rock star. Everybody wants to do the best that they can, um, but for the right reasons. And, um, you know, you kind of, you don't want to, you don't want to go into the room on Monday morning and just feel like, um, oh, you know, I'm not doing enough. Right. And I think there's always a little bit of that attitude, right. Of I'm not doing enough. Um, but I think, I, I really think, I mean, I work with a group of people that everybody believes that they can do more. Um, I, I think that's very motivating for me personally. But I mean, the other other aspect of it is, you know, I I mentioned, you know, being an immigrant, um, and you know, I I see my parents, um, you know, move from move from China to the United States, and you know, we moved to the United States when I was eight years old, mm -hmm. and um, you know, my 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 parents, um, you know, certainly their their lives were more difficult, um, but they wanted to create a better future for me, um, and so. I, I, you know, I don't want to say guilt, but yeah, you know, there, there's an element of, hey, if, if I don't, if I don't do everything that I can, if I don't make something, you know, of the opportunities I'm given, um, and, you know, really sort of create value for others, um, you know, what am I doing, right? You know, why, why, why am I given these opportunities? 
So um, those, those are kind of things too. I mean, you, you start thinking about, it's really humbling. It's really, um, it, it makes you really put things into perspective. Um, but it, I mean, it keeps you going as well, right? That's, that's, that's motivation. I just, that's something that, you know, can't, can't sort of, can't be easily described, but I think for folks that, you know, are in similar situations, I mean, they, they get it too, you know, they, they see that from, you know, from the folks they look up to and from their parents and, um, you know, really keeps them going. No, it's a great story. I mean, you came here, you, you know, you, with your parents and your parents bust their butts to, you know, like you said, give you a better life. And I'm pretty sure you'll pass it forward eventually. So I think it's a great story. I, I first of all, so for, um, I want to ask you, do you have any books you would like to recommend? Because you have a story uh, that you could write for yourself, your own biography. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not much of a writer. Uh, so maybe, maybe I, I wouldn't say, you know, people probably wouldn't want to read what I write, but um, I, I would say, you know, I think books I would recommend, anything about Malcolm Gladwell. Um, ah, yeah. you know, I'm a big fan of nonfiction and just anecdotal stories, but um, David and Goliath, I think is always really good. Um, it's, a, it's a good way to kind of, um, re really look at anecdotally how, how do you build a business, right? I mean, how do you build a business if there's just a lot of competition in the space? Um, how do you position yourself, um, you know, in those environments in which you are you are a small fish, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I think David and Goliath is a great read. Um, and, and really, I mean, this is going to be lame too, but anything by Michael Lewis, um, you know, Liar's Poker, I think. It's, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah it's I agree. Read, anything you know? that he writes, yeah, exactly. So, I love to see him uh, getting interviewed because he, I, to me, I think he's he's a straight shooter. So, you know, I. I oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got a podcast that I uh, that that I you know I think I think is done really well as well. So um, maybe check it out. Um, so. Yeah, no, I'll definitely put that on the show notes. And if somebody want to get in contact with you, what's the best way? Yeah, so uh, HagemanCapital.com um, to see what we're doing in the tip space. Um, read our insights. Um, I actually do write some of the insights um, and kind of learn more about what we're doing in the in the tip space. Um, HagemanGroup.com if you are interested in sort of the broader family office, our our entrepreneurial ventures, um, you know, our efforts in real estate. Um, so those are those are two great um, great places to uh, get to learn more about Hageman. Um, and then also LinkedIn, Hageman Capital and Hageman Group, and Hageman on LinkedIn. So. Yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Well, anyway, Shao, thank you so much for being on Peer to Peer Real Estate Show. I really, really appreciate it. Well, William, thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. Um, you know, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, just uh, best of luck. Appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. <laughs>